Hey everybody, it's Chad with I Want to Know. I'm here with some new friends that I met yesterday. It is Rose and Masood Ramandi. How are you guys doing? Hi, thank you. Thanks for having us. These, uh, this couple was born and raised in Iran as Muslims and then had converted to Christianity. Um, was it before or after you came to Canada? Uh, it was after. After you came to Canada. So how's it going? Good. <laughs> good, good. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your life in Iran. So maybe I should start because uh, as a woman growing up in Iran, so I faced uh, some challenges there. <laughs> and, um, you know, like uh, when you grown up in a country that is really close to um, freedom for women, then you start experiencing things that, you know, growing up, you start thinking that, OK, so why? Yeah. Why is it that, you know, <clears throat> why, is it sh- why is it like this and um, why things should be this way? that they're not supposed to be that way. And and I remember growing up... Sorry, it was just like an innate feeling then that like it, this wasn't fair as a woman. That's that right. why do they get to do this and I don't? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I think that was my whole life, like uh, childhood growing up and and uh, seeing all the differences between boys and girls there. And, and it was a little challenging for me. So, but... But it's a it's your home country, and you always your love you love your home country, and but uh, in a process of time, is things that started happening in my life, and and that we, I will share uh, later that uh, started changing my life and changing my perspective, and knowing that I don't get my identity from people, I don't get my identity from my country, I don't get my identity from what they tell me who I am, and over the time I realized that my identity in God is very secure and I can get that identity from him and I don't need to be upset when my country doesn't offer that to me. Very cool, yeah. cool. So I'm guessing that uh, you had a very different view as a child in Iran. I definitely had. Uh, we both had and we both are very different um, comparing to our families because um, imagine like you're growing up in a country, in an environment that everything is uh, what other people tell you about and you have no access to any other thing. You have no access to any other uh, opinion or uh, thought patterns or any philosophy or anything. Okay. So in that uh, environment, all you know is all that your uh, parents know right. or the school that you go to or the media that you're being imposed to. Yeah. And because of that, uh, at the same time, you have that internal world uh, world in, inside yourself and you're thinking like what's going on like what's the story uh, behind all of this because definitely I can't impact all these people right. and uh, I need somebody to help me but what's the story how can I get over this so that actually caused me in a very young age to start thinking about these things like let's say when I was in um, elementary school I started thinking about how can I change things around me or how can I change things for myself? So that was like uh, the beginning of a journey for me. Did you feel things were not right when you grew up? Like you just looked around and it was maybe, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it almost seems like it's, it's very industrial or robotic that everyone just gets the exact same information, the exact same culture. There was no diversity. Exactly, because let's say we had a big family and like lots of brothers and sister and all the extended family, and at the same time you see the rest of uh, people in your 
hometown. And when you look at all of them, there is something that is basically common between all of them. And it seems like everybody's moving towards something and they don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to get there. And along the way, they're have, they have some success, um, more failures. And that, uh, beyond the achievements that they're coming to, becomes a nature in them that is uh, basically now driving them, controlling them, ruling over them. So let's say uh, when you set a goal and you don't get it, you're frustrated. And when you're frus frustrated, you get angry. When you get angry, it affects your relationships. And when it affects your relationships, then you become, you come to a point that you become self-defensive. Mm -hmm. And in that position, there is no relationship anymore. Because you, and, and when there is no relationship, you can't have a community that is helpful, healthy, and can help people. Wow, that's, uh, <clears throat> that's actually a little bit deeper than I thought you were going to go because having so much restriction, like here in North America, um, the kids, it's basically unlimited. The knowledge they want, the internet use, the, the libraries, the schools, we get a really diverse outlook at life from, you know, Muslims to uh, Judaism to, I mean, you name it, every religion is in this crockpot we have in Canada and, and, the, and the North America as a whole. And you guys never saw any of that. No, we didn't. We, we never had anything. And even I remember uh, when I was growing up, we had, you know, the uh, media is completely uh, back home under the control of the government. So it's a little bit biased. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and then uh, at the time, we had only one TV channel. That was it. Wow. One. And there was nothing else. Now I think they have like some 10 channels, but still all of them are the same. Government controlled. Exactly. So let's yeah. say all you need to know was uh, you were being told what to know, what to believe, and your uh, basically point of view about everything around you and about the world was all that you were told. So now let's say in that situation, at the same time, your own conscience um, is talking to you that there must be something bigger. Right. There must be something outside this box that I've been put into. Do, do you really think it's conscious? Because we had a discussion about this a bit yesterday, and I'll let both of you answer this, but um, we both or all feel like we have God within. So your conscience, is that God speaking to you? Is that you know your own? Because it obviously isn't your own culture, um, because your culture was based upon whatever they told you you should know or shouldn't know, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I would say, like, because, uh, you know, like, um, for me as a Muslim growing up in Iran, um, so I, I personally witness a lot of uh, miracles that happen in my life. And, and, um, and now that I'm looking back, and even though I'm a Christian right now, and I look back to my life and I see that uh, God didn't start loving me when I became Christian. He loved me from the first day that I was conceived in my, in my mother's womb. Mm -hmm. And uh, my understanding of who he was started getting changed over time. But his understanding of who I am never got changed. It was he always saw me in the fullness of who he is. And, and that's why his love and his help, and never, uh, it was never uh, limited to whether or not I understand it. So that's why looking back in life, I can, I can bring you example after example of how God 
God really spoke to our heart, but we did not know that was God because we didn't have the right understanding of who he is. Yeah. And and things have started happening in our lives that today when I look back, then I know that that was God and it was the hand of God. So yes, the conscience of um, people, it could be a place for God to speak through their heart uh, and, and guiding them and bringing them. Because if it was not so, none of us could make it until now. Right. If um, you know, if any time we had a bright idea and we had a we had an, we had a thought that came to our mind and a decision that we made and it changed our life and it was definitely a divine um, uh, guidance behind it and it was definitely God leading us because He loves people and He wants people to have life. Right. And um, but on but it was me <coughs> to come to a point to understand who He is and I get I get my perspective started changing when I started getting uh, when I started getting to know who he is so when did that happen for you when did you start understanding the Christian God as opposed to the the Muslim God um, so that started happening like about 10 years ago for me uh, but uh, but I became Christian seven years ago but uh, 10 years ago when we came to Canada a friend of us started talking about Jesus well I came from a background that of course as a Muslim I Never believed that, you know, Jesus is the son of God. And um, so, and as a matter of fact, my whole life growing up and doing my rituals and Muslim prayer, and uh, I repeated this one thing five times a day in my prayer. And and I, and um, one of the things that we used to pray, uh, we, we, we would say that God has never given birth and he doesn't have a son. Mm-hmm. So my whole like 27 years of my life, I had confessed that God doesn't have a son. And all of a sudden we had this Christian friend is talking to us about that Jesus is the son of God. And of course, we we were really, uh, you know, we never we didn't accept it immediately. And we are like we started even debating with him that uh, that can't be. You know, that God cannot have a son. But my story of God started a long time before that encounter. And that's why I'm saying that even though when I was in Iran, uh, um, things started happening in my life when I was in Iran. And I would like to share a little part of that mm-hmm. because because that shows that um, if I know God or if I don't know God, that doesn't change his per- perspective toward us. And when I was growing up in that uh, life that, you know, I could see a lot of um, differences between men and women. And, and as a girl growing up as a woman there, I faced a lot of persecution, basically. And I remember when I was at the age of 19, it was so I was so desperate and I was like, struggling with depression and I had no plan and purpose for my life and I decided to commit suicide and um, and I remember that I was just telling my friends about it and she was crying over the phone because she knew that I just had my ma- I, I made my decision but on that dark time because I got to the point in my life that I couldn't see there is a hope I couldn't see the purpose I couldn't see why we have you came to the world and and, and so what's the purpose? Like, why do you want to live in a life and suffer all this stuff? And then, and then you know, like, then die? Right. And then what happens? So what's right. the point? And why did we come here? So, and I was in that confusion. And I remember... I started like thinking like it can't be God. God can't be real because if he was real, look at me, why why, why I came to um, this world and why did I come to a country that, you know, I had 
to be as a woman under persecution and all this stuff. And and I remember I, I remember saying that you know what if uh, I remember looking up <laughs> and I said you know I don't think you are real and I don't think you are there. And but if um, and I saw that honestly I saw the cursing and I said if you are there I don't want to do anything with you and why did you bring me here? And um, and I remember in that confusion that I had and I just wanted to finish this life mm-hmm. um, and I remember uh, um, you know like um, a thought actually came to my mind and 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 this thought was telling me okay you know you never asked God what is the purpose of life you always you know you're trying to figure out yourself why don't you ask God and and I remember I was crying in that time and and I was asking God I said okay like I need to have a purpose I need to know who you are if who you are and show yourself. If you don't show yourself today to me, then um, I know that you don't, you're, you're not real. So now we need to understand I was a Muslim and as a Muslim, I was told my whole life that God will never, never visit people. God will never come to people and God uh, God doesn't talk to you directly. He always talks through the people he he sends and the last one came 1400 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so you got to do all the stuff he tells you and then you're good to go. And but I remember in that time I was so confused and but at the same time I was cursing God and at at other time I was just begging God to do something because I got to that point of uh, all doors closed. Yeah. And um and I remember that um, uh, that middle of that confusion, I started feeling a presence, and I started feeling that um, a presence came to the room, and I couldn't see anyone, and I wasn't just seeing things with my own eyes, but I could feel that something has happened. The atmosphere got changed, and all of a sudden, that desperate, uh, suicidal thoughts are gone, and mm. all of a sudden, I felt this love. It started going into my body and it was the weirdest experience in my life until that moment and and I I in that moment all of a sudden I realized that this person this he's talking to me and he says that you know I I love you mm-hmm. and um, and I started feeling more of the love and presence and I don't know how to explain it but in a moment I realized that he is real and he's there in the room with me and he loves me and there is a plan for my life and even though I may not know what the plan is but he knows and if I just trust him then he will get me to that plan that he has and that encounter like radically changed my life because I all the depression was gone and the suicidal thoughts were gone I was in Iran and I remember uh, I had never heard about Jesus in my life until 10 years later that I came to Canada and uh, I remember that I didn't know what is his name. I had no idea who was this God. And I remember that I started telling all of my friends that his name is love. Mm. I started calling him love. And I think that was the journey for me that I started getting to know who God is. Um, But my point was, (coughs) even though I was in Iran, even though I was a Muslim, and the God of love came to my room that day. Ten years later, I was reading the book of uh, the first letter of John, the apostle to the church. And then he said that God is love. And then I realized that person who really came to my room, it was the God of love, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. But it took me a long time until I figure out. But he never, 
um, he never showed anything to me that it was conditional. He didn't come that day because I remember I was just praying one day and I said, God, why, if you came to me that day when I was 19, why didn't you tell me who you are? Mm-hmm. And, and he told me, because your heart was not ready to yeah. know who I am, but you needed me in that moment. Yeah. And that's why I came. I have so many questions. I didn't want to cut you off yeah. or interrupt you. Um, yeah, let, let, let's start kind of back to where that story started with uh, the depression and the suicidal thoughts. Is that something that's that's common for women in, in Iran? Oh, definitely. Is that just because of the culture and the, the fact that they're, um, I don't know what the right word is, uh, you guys just don't get the same treatment. You're, you're um, a second-class citizen. Is that a good way to describe it? Um, sure. <laughs> I, I don't want to put words in your yeah. mouth and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to paint a picture I, that's not true. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, the women there, uh, they suffer depression. All of them, maybe mostly not all, but a lot of them. Um, but, and, the, and I think, uh, majority of them, they don't really know because they don't know better. Yeah. So they are in that situ- that country and that environment, and they think this is what it is, but they suffer abuses and and all the um, sufferings and depression and things like that. Not because of the government, and I think it's mostly because of the religion at the same time too. May I add something? To that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <coughs> the first year that we were in Canada, we were watching news and all the stories about abuses and stuff like that going on, and we were watching the news, and I was shocked. Like, what are you talking about? What do you call an, an, an abuse? Because that's not, to me, an abuse. That all was normal it behavior. It was normal back home. Yeah. So, and people don't know that's not normal. Yeah. And they're being abused, and they live with that. I, I had a doctor once tell me, when I had my, my little ones in to see them, they said, if a baby is born with a headache, they'll think a headache is normal. They don't ever go, oh, this is a bad thing to be happening to me. Um, so if you're born into that, abuse if you're born into that you know um where you just don't have choices you don't have privileges like ever you just go oh this is this is just the way it is but you felt differently than that like you knew there was something wrong with it oh yeah definitely and i think they all know that and they all know that there's something wrong uh, but they don't know how to get out of it and uh, and on that moment maybe I was one of the few people that I really cried out with my heart and and in that moment I thought okay you know maybe there's something more I don't know maybe there are more of people that are doing back home in Iran but but there is no they're trying to come out of it out of the depression and all the stuff but the doors are closed yeah. and uh, I think <clears throat> the, um, the especially in the younger generation a lot of suicide is happening when back home and and and, but I know today that um, the change of country, like my, my husband and I came to Canada looking for peace. Uh, we came for freedom. And even though we found it, but it lasted only six months. <laughs> because, because after six months, we realized that something is missing, still mm-hmm. missing in our hearts. Something, this void, is, it's in there. And, and we thought if we change our country and we change our people around us and we change, the, uh, we change our culture, then we can have that peace that we are looking for. But we, yes, even though we had it, yes, I understand money can bring 
peace in a certain level and changing country in Canada, I have more peace than being in Iran. And, and I understand that and I don't deny that. But that doesn't, uh, that doesn't satisfy that void and depth of void inside of our heart because it's clearly the peace, it's in the spirit of God and right. it's in God. If we find God, then we have peace. That actually, I have a question for you, Masood. Um, growing up in a certain culture, seeing every man, all your uncles, your cousins, your brothers, everything around you doing everything a certain way towards women, um, coming over to Canada, how did you change your culture and your mindset, or, or have you? Like, what's, what is the, the difference from you leaving Iran to you living in Canada? You mean the difference between uh, how women are being treated back home and... Just you personally, because okay. I know, like, I grew up in a culture of, of alcoholism and, and obesity and all that kind of stuff, and for me to change my mindset took years. It's not something you go, oh, well, I'm not going to act like my dad. It, it, you have to consciously go, oh, now I'm acting like my dad, and now I'm not going to do that. Like, you have, to, you have to visualize what the action is, and then you have to visualize what the change is, and then you have to make that change. And you obviously spent 20-some years in a culture that didn't appreciate women. They oppressed women. That how, do you, how did that change in you when you, or has it changed in you? Uh, well, I, I should say it, it never, for me, was like the way that it was back home. Even we were living in that, um, environment in that society but um, my uh, perspective was completely different because I saw the negative part of those relationships uh, I started uh, thinking a different way but uh, the thing is I didn't know anything better I didn't know any better so uh, but still I would think uh, about okay what a true relationship for example between husband and wife should be right. is it really what I see because that to me doesn't sound like husband and wife that Sounds like a, um, and I should add, it's not like all the families, by the way. It's not yeah. all the country. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, and even here, maybe we don't know the culture that well. We don't know the families. It's some of those issues exist even in North America. Because Correct. there yeah. are like relationships that are not um, in a right way. Yeah, good. exactly. Yeah. But anyways, uh, comparing to back home, uh, because I was seeing that uh, the relationships are more in the sense of a servant, and a master than mm. a wife and a husband. Yeah. So, uh, and because of that, they never uh, share their hearts. They never share their thoughts together. They, they don't know how the other part thinks about life. And they don't find out the common things between themselves. And they don't know what are other uh, um, obstacles in their life so they can work on that. Rose and I, when we got married, we immediately started talking about all those things. How old were you guys? I was 26 at the time. Okay. Yeah. And uh, we would spend hours just talking about different things uh, because obviously we were grown up in two different families, even though back home, but still there are differences. Um, and we would talk together and we come up with, uh, wow, we are really different in these areas. But then we would talk and see which one is a better way to choose and live in that direction. So we were open. Uh, it was hard in the beginning, but definitely we uh, developed that. And uh, it's always harder for the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but the thing is, uh, because we we came to a place that we realized, you know what? Even uh, we didn't know at the time, but uh, later we found that the Bible says a man uh, must uh, 
leave his father and mother and join to his wife and they shall become one, one, one right. flesh. And <clears throat> that means really one, you know, and that means you have to come out of your family. You were grown up, you had a, um, a house to grow uh, from, but you're already grown up and now you have to uh, find your mate. And when you get together, you have to live with her or with him, not with your parents. Right. So now, out of that uh, relationship, you come to that unity, and that definitely impacts the rest of uh, relationships with other families. So when we came to Canada, definitely, definitely there were good things that we were saying at the, to- at the time, but also some of um, negative parts of that, which was uh, strange to us, and that was like that uh, dividedness between... Um, husband and wife and I don't I don't say it in a negative way but uh, to me at the time and even now it's like when you come under a roof and when you're a family you don't think about separation so you don't come to say you know this um, I work and you work and then when it comes to expenses I pay this much and you pay this much that's not unity that's not oneness and because that's been the culture uh even union with God is not truly being understood because still we think, okay, God has this part and I have this part. And then unless he does this, I wouldn't do that. And unless I would do this, he wouldn't do that. But partnership is not like that. Partnership is like, you know, wherever there is a lack, I help. Wherever there is a lack, you would help. And it's because of one purpose, one goal, one life. And that's what we share. I, uh, uh, my co-host who's not here today and, and another lady we had on the podcast, I, I love being married. I, I love my wife and my family and the whole thing. And they're both went through bad relationships and had divorces and they're both single parents. And they're like, why would anybody get married? And, and your description was my exact description because there's days when I'm not going to be a hundred percent Chad. I'm going to be 80% of what I am. And my wife always steps in <laughs> and then vice versa. When my wife is not having her best day and I can see, oh, she's not not in a good spot and so I step in whether it's with our kids or the mailman or whatever it happens to be we find our role within that relationship and we help out and there's a meme that goes around the internet all the time that um, marriage isn't 50-50 it's 100-100 right that's right sometimes you have to put in 120% because the other person doesn't have the ability and uh, so I love the way you describe it that's 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 what I feel marriage and relationship should be, and not just with your wife, but with your kids and with your parents and with your community and the world as a whole. We have to have that when there's a, a gap in the community, we should be finding a way to fill that. Exactly. And, and what uh, I would like to add to that is when we come to God, then we realize that that was that was his own perspective from the beginning. So he he introduced himself like as a husband, mm-hmm. and uh, and then he like for the concept of understanding that unity that we have between us and God, and and he calls us wife, and he calls himself a husband. But uh, the husband and wife that they can truly become one together, and 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 you are sharing everything you have and he's sharing everything he has right and i think that's an amazing deal here because we don't have much and he has a lot <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Uh, and but but if that, we were get to divorce and we got 50 percent, <laughs> we'd be doing pretty darn well <laughs> that's right and but uh, but when we come to uh for example when we read the book of ephesians and in chapter five he started int- introducing christ as the husband and we are as the church and what is what really matters between the two is the love that happens 
parents. Yeah. And this love is from the husband toward the toward wife, and that's uh, that's for him to give his life because there is no greater love than this that you would die for the person you love and and i think and that i think that's an amazing concept but god has always seen us one with him mm-hmm. and and but what he's doing and he's trying to do is to bring us to an understanding that we can see ourselves one with him uh, because even in a husband and wife marriage, Masood and I, as, he, as Masood said, like we started talking, but both of us were willing to change. Yeah. And if one is willing and one is not, this can't happen. That's a hard go for sure. <laughs> That's right. Um, so I want to get a little bit. So um, you guys left Iran, I'm guessing in your mid-20s? That's right. Yeah. Yes. And then what was your, so were you married in Iran? Y- yes. Okay. So you guys met each other. Was it a, arranged or are you just... You met each other? Um, so at the time I was living in Dubai and uh, I, I moved with my family in Dubai and um, I ended up, but Masood was from a different city in Iran, um, from different cities. So, but he was studying um, his master's degree in mechanical engineering, chemical engineering in my city. So I ended up going to my country, Iran, for the summer vacation and, and I met him about uh, 14 years ago. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it was just a happenstance. You guys ran into each other at a party or a gathering. Well, no, to be honest with you, if I want to say that I was at the time when I was in Dubai, I was in a chat rooms and looking to come to Canada. And uh, and I wanted to come to Canada for, for studying, uh, for education. And I ended up talking to this guy in English. And he was also wanted to come to Canada. And he was giving me some information. And uh, I gave some information to him. So toward the end of our chat... Uh, I asked him, where are you from? And he said, I'm from Iran. And what's your name? And he said, my name is Masood. And um, he and he told me, and which city are you in Iran? And I told him the city. And he said, oh, I'm a student in this city. Maybe we should meet when you come to, uh, to Iran. Bold move. Bold move. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so I ended up uh, going back home for the summer vacation. And uh, and so I just called him one day and to see him. And we ended up uh, getting, you know, we were friends for a couple of years and then we got married. And mm. then we moved to from um, <coughs> after we got married. So we, we moved to Dubai for 10 years, for two years. And then we came to Canada together awesome. 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And so what was that transition or transition like? So you'd obviously spent some time in Canada prior to that. How about you, Mr. Did in you Dubai? I mean, in, in Dubai, Dubai, yes. Um, and then you had spent some time in Canada as well, or you hadn't no, been here yet? No, no, I hadn't been. So I came to Canada after we got married. Oh, so okay. we both of us came to Canada. Together. So you were just both talking about wanting to go to Canada. That's right. And uh, so, had you spent any time in Canada prior to? No, uh, and even Dubai was the first, basically, country that I traveled. Okay. And uh, and well, where were you from originally? Sorry. What what city or country were you from originally? Uh, I'm from a city called uh, Kazbin, which is uh, 100 kilometers away from the capital city of uh, Tehran. Okay. Uh, in Dubai, well, in the beginning it was very hard, and it was very interesting because there was all that attraction of... Uh, it's a big, beautiful city, right? It's a beautiful city, definitely. Yeah. And uh, there was all that attraction, but at the same time, because of all uh, still the uh, problems that uh, most of the world has with uh, Iran, uh, they wouldn't accept Iranians uh, very well. And it was hard to find a job. And uh, um, even eventually I found a job and it was not uh, very well paid. But uh, we managed to actually uh, 
finished the first year second year got better but that was the time that we realized you know what uh, we definitely need a change we need something bigger than what we have already seen because uh, what we have been looking for still is not and we know it's not in this country wow yeah. and uh, that was uh, as rose said before it was um, let's say all the success achievement any anything that you planned and you're moving toward and you're attaining all of them and still that void is not filled yeah and you know that uh, there is you have a hunger and you don't know how to satisfy that yeah. there is a thirst but you don't know how to satisfy that and you know the feeling even the natural that you're hungry you know uh, you go to anything yeah uh, it, you uh, you definitely don't wait for a steak. Uh, if you have a biscuit uh, in front of you, you're just going to eat that before you get to the steak. So that was uh, the situation. So we didn't know uh, what our steak is, but uh, we were looking for it. You were devouring, you were anything hunting, gathering, yeah. trying to find anything. So uh, let's say um, out of all the things that people are looking for, which is uh, good relationship, education, good job, and um, a good uh, country or city to live in, uh, we were almost like really good, doing really good in our mid-20s. Yeah. And, uh, but that was the time that we realized, you know, this is not, maybe maybe we should, maybe we are uh, born for a different culture. Let's go. And definitely that was the thing because back home, we were not uh, really, um, like I would say, uh, common uh, a, a common citizen okay. of the country. So when we came to Canada, that was the goal. And we realized, no, this is not even that. This is not, we're not getting any closer. So uh, we were looking for something. Yeah. And um, so when you guys moved to Canada, did you find uh, um, Iranian um, culture to immerse yourself in just to, to be in the familiar? Uh, not a... Iranian culture, but uh, we met Iranian um, an Iranian who was a Christian, and he wasn't like very much Iranian. Uh, he had been in uh, Canada for almost ten years at a time, and okay. uh, he was also different like us. Uh, we spent almost two and a half years with him before we came to know Jesus, and uh, during that time, definitely we were with him. But there were more Canadians around us. I would say actually we had only two or three. Iranians, the rest were were uh, Canadians. Okay. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> after being here for a little bit, you've met a bunch of Canadians. I want to get to the story of where you guys started understanding Christianity and, and making that change. So, um, how long was it after you were in Canada that you started? Okay, uh, the, the day that we um, actively started searching was uh, two and a half years after. Okay. But before that, the first day that we met this guy, he started talking to us about Jesus. But uh, because that was not the understanding that we had about God, we uh, refused uh, to believe it. So, but still, he would talk to us, and we would listen for maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and then that was it. Eventually, we would argue with him that, you know what, even Islam says the same thing. So that was the attitude, because it was more kind of something that I am, as Rose said, an identity, and now you're insulting my identity. It's like insulting my family. So that was, and at the same time, we didn't have much knowledge uh, about that. But uh, what, what we knew was enough to realize that, you know what, I'm, I'm playing this with this guy, because I'm showing that what I say, is, what you say is the same thing that I say. 
but at the same time we knew in our own private time that that's not the same thing and anyway anyways after two and a half years um i was uh, i was alone at home looking at working on my research i was doing uh, my phd in canada and uh that uh first i want to answer one of your questions that you asked um right in the beginning of the program you said um do you think it's conscience that uh voice or is it something that, beyond that yeah the inner voice yeah because that day i heard a similar voice again um, two and a half years after we met this Christian guy. And uh, conscience, according to Bible, is, um, even if you look at the Greek word, is um, a knowledge that comes with the help of another. Okay. Uh, it's a co-science. It's not your science. It's, uh, it's with the help of another. So somebody else tells you what that is. Now, let's say um, if you are a person that works in... Um, let's say electronics mm-hmm. and then you come to me and you start talking to me all about all the um, um, let's say technology and all the developments and all the future possibilities you're giving me a knowledge now uh, for me when i live from today onward i have a conscience of what you knew right but now it has become my knowledge so conscience is basically a place that because you have been um, exposed to a voice for a while, then you know something, and that becomes your consciousness. Okay. Uh, now, if you want to <coughs> talk about what the Bible says, the Bible says the conscience can be closed or can be open. It calls it actually seared. It's like being seared with a hot iron. Yeah. Um, now, uh, it's like a uh, let's say we all have ear, and even and we hear. Deaf people also have ear, but they don't hear. What's the difference? There is an element in the ear that helps us to hear, and that's not working for them. And that's the inner ear or inner drum, I think, that uh, we would call. Conscience is that element. So if that's being closed or seared, we don't hear. But even uh, no human being actually comes to a perfect, complete uh, searing of their conscience and that's why they still ha- can hear a voice from God that brings to them a conscience and that uh, basically convinces uh, them about a truth that they need to know so that day I was at home I heard this voice yep. and the, the voice brought to me a question that I had been putting away for a long time and it was about my identity and the question was do you know who you are Right. so if you're being honest with yourself, uh, you would have been asking that from yourself for a long time in your lifetime. Uh, even if not, let's say, consciously, unconsciously, that was in all of us. Asking, who am I? You know, What's the story behind a, um, a human body that is moving, thinking, making decisions, and actively being involved in in a society. What's the story behind this? How can this thing happen out of nothing to become something that is actually an element of this society? Uh, And now now that I'm here, what's the story? So that was the thing that that they started, and um, that voice was so familiar, and it was like, I have heard this for all my life, Hmm. and I never questioned that voice i started having a conversation with that voice yeah and uh, that caused me the voice caused me to see 
everything in my past, that how uh, I was grown up and how I had planned everything and how I came to a place that I'm very close to all my uh, desires. And it also showed the rest of my life to me, that how I can actually grow and become um, more successful in the things that I desire. But there is no end to it. So I came to a place that I had to make a decision. What do I want to do with my life? Do I really want to uh, continue with this way and come to a place that I can make things bigger and better and more uh, or, uh, or not? And um, in either case, if let's say I make a decision, what's the path forward? And uh, that was the thing um, for about half an hour that I had that thoughts going on in me. And uh, I never came to a conclusion. It was just like a kind of a storm inside of me that brought out something that was hidden. And I had uh, tried to basically put a veil over it, not to look at it for, for a while. Uh, but that day I couldn't anymore resist it. Uh, so Rose came uh, home uh, from work and we started talking and um, she mentioned something about God. And uh, to me at that moment, it was a strange feeling that I, even though grown up as a Muslim, believing there is God, at that time, because of all the confusion that I was in, I said that I don't believe anymore that there is God. Hmm. And uh, it was a shock for her, but uh, we started having a conversation and realized that actually Rose had a similar uh, encounter experience right before she came home and that she shared, um, and she had almost the same kind of thoughts. So we talked together and we realized that, you know what, we have to make a decision. We have to do something about this. We can't be passive and let's do something about this. Let's let's search out. Did we do... Have we really done anything to find out whether there is something beyond what we know? Uh, and we realized, no, we haven't. So are we going to um, deceive ourselves and say, you know, uh, even though we haven't done any research, we're going to make a decision that what we believe is absolute truth and there is nothing else beyond this? Mm -hmm. And we realized that's foolishness if I want to do that. And so what do we do? Uh, let's go and search out. So how do we do this? Let's go toward anything that we know that um, has a claim that this is from a supreme being beyond humans. Uh, and let's look at that. Let's start with uh, what we know as our own religion and also what we came to know as Christianity. So was that uh, partially because of the, the Christian friend that you had met in Canada that that was that was driving the questions inside of you the the conflict inside of you is that he was telling you something that you may or may not believe and then you were having some um, doubts about uh, being a Muslim and what they said about God it was both of them actually because uh, what he had done he had talked to us about something that we never knew and it was like seeds being planted in our heart and that was growing and we had already seen it we, we couldn't deny like this guy that he said Jesus the son of God actually is different like I, I can't say anything negative about him but about what I believed I can even I as Muslim I had questions yeah and I could I would compare and I wouldn't uh, I couldn't basically reconcile the two if like are they both talking about the same God the same God and I couldn't recon reconcile the two of them together and uh, that definitely helped and at the same time uh, all the uh, 
let's say now it was a, a personal thing. It was me. It was not anymore my parents, my country, or any uh, force externally that is uh, compelling me to believe. Now I'm in a free country. I can believe whatever. But I'm still under that bondage. It's 25 years of culture that was, you know... Um forced upon you, which I think is true everywhere. You have a, a culture, whatever you live in, that's what they want right. you to, to do and believe, whether it's Canada or Iran or China or wherever you're from, you'll, you'll, you'll always have that. So it's, it's almost unheard of for people to change who they are at core, right? The, um, it, it's just not the normal thing, especially a uh, husband and wife together. It would be abnormal to see that as well. So, he was talking about his experience first coming to Canada and, and you having something similar. Um, so when I came that home that day, I came home and Amasu told me, I don't think there is a God. I was really uh, shocked uh, because uh, the first thing I said, what do you mean? Like we are Muslims. <laughs> so we believe in God, you know. And, um, and, but um, on the other hand, I was like, I, I was in front of this, I was confronted like with this reality that uh, he says there is no God, but he can't prove to me that because I had an experience with God, but I know there is God, but I can't prove to him. Mm -hmm. So I, I was, I said, okay, I can't prove there is no, I can't believe, I can't believe there is no God, but I can't prove there is a God yeah. because my life doesn't show that there is a God. So, um, and I remember when I was coming back the same day I was coming home, I remember that I was really desperate. I was in Canada. Uh, we were living in Toronto at the time. And uh, this beautiful city, it was like this autumn, like a, uh, like a mm, cold autumn uh, fall season with yeah. all those orange and red leaves and beautiful. But And I remember I'm driving home and I look outside and it was so beautiful. But I looked inside of my heart. And there was nothing beautiful. And I, I, I could see that darkness and emptiness inside of me. And I remember that as I was driving, I went forward and I looked up to heaven and I said, you know, I don't think you are real. And, and I think 10 years ago that something happened to me. It was out of my imagination. I, I don't believe that you are real anymore because, you know, I still have a lot of questions and, and I still don't know what I'm doing here. And, and that's it. So I, and I remember that day I said, you know, if, and I had a conclusion for myself that day. And I said, if you are God, and if you really love us, why don't, why don't you come down and be a human being like us and experience the life like us so that you can understand our pain? And this is before you knew anything of the Bible. That's right. Yeah. This is before I knew anything about Jesus or anything. But that was my own conclusion. And I said, well, if God is real and if he really claims to be loving us, so he got to come like us and live like us and experience the life like us. Why didn't he make us and he put us in this life and we go through all the suffering and he's sitting up there enjoying his lemonade? <laughs> and that was my that this is what I said I said well if you really if this is love you should have come like us and live like us and experience the pain that we experience so that when I come to you then you can understand my pain yeah otherwise how would you understand my pain <clears throat> so when I came home and and I realized that Masood had that thing happening and thoughts in his mind we you know, we are like and I told him you know I get, I get it. I can't prove there is no God. 
uh, and I, I can't prove there is a God and, and I'm, 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 I'm kind of toward you too. There is no God, but I had this experience that I can't deny. And why don't we just start looking and finding for the first time in our lives, for the first and last time, maybe we, we should search. Mm-hmm. And I remember I looked up and uh, again, <laughs> and I said, well, God, this is your chance. If you are real, show yourself to us. If I come to a conclusion, whether there is a God or there is no God or Islam is right or Christianity or any conclusion. And later on, I die and you want to send me to hell because I made the wrong decision. It's your fault. <laughs> so it's your time. Reveal yourself to me. <laughs> that was my logical I, behavior. I'm, I'm not saying this to be mean, but it's a very juvenile um, uh reaction to That's what right. was going on right the, the uh, i think a lot of human beings have that you know if i can't have it my way then damn it i just won't have it yeah right <laughs> yeah yeah that's right and i think this is how it started because i said okay god this is your chance reveal yourself to us show yourself to us if you don't it's your fault and this we kind of left it there and we start searching and what we did and um, we had a bible because our christian friend had given us a bible and we had our on religion book two and uh, we are like okay you know let's just read to see let's stop looking at people and say this is christianity let's stop looking at people and say this is islam so let's just go and read the source and see the person who brought this Christianity or the person who brought Islam or the person who brought any other religion, what did they say? Mm-hmm. Because there's there's two different things between what I say and what you hear. And you Correct. could tell, you could go and tell Rose said this and I've never said it. And um, so why am I just looking at people and, and being influenced by what people are introducing religion or Christianity or Islam and I believe it so why don't we stop that and we start reading it ourselves and if any of these books are the true one God will um, show us and he will he can he can do it so he will tell us we started um, I think that was the how we started reading um, the these two books in the beginning because so you just started with the bible and the quran that's right. no outside resources um uh, not as much as we were, we were reading quran and uh, and the and the bible uh, even though my eyes were open and i would just go to internet and look okay let's see what hinduism said but i wouldn't i wasn't spending a lot of time on it because i was working at the time full time working and i had two books to read and all <laughs> so my my eyes were open because i was searching and yeah. we had uh, we had people coming at our door in Toronto and, and give us or tell us about their religion or things, you know, how they do it. And um, and we would take it and we would read it because we were in the stage of searching and finding and finding for the truth that we were looking for. And, and I think if I want to bring a really long story short, because it was not a short time, it took, it took some times. But about but, how long? How long did you guys study? Uh, from the time uh, we started until we we had the conviction of who this Jesus is the uh, um, is the one the true one, it was like a six month of studying and reading and going to churches and all this, but it was six months months of intense study. Yeah. Uh, but as I said, my my journey started like ten years before that with that encounter I had. Yeah. And and since that time I was looking. And to be honest with you, I read 
all the other stuff. I was in the new age. Um, I was looking for other, um, I was reading other uh, religion at, as well. And I think Bible, the Bible was the last one. I did not know there is a book called Bible hmm. until our Christian friend gave us the book and says, this is Bible. And I said, what is Bible? And then he said, like, the holy book of Christian. I'm like, oh, I thought the Christian books are destroyed long time ago. And he's like, no. <laughs> Were you guys taught that growing up? That yes. the Christian, really? I had met, uh, I went to the World Religious Conference here in Airdrie and they brought in like a, um, an Amidala, I hope I'm pronouncing that properly, right. Muslim, Ahmadiyya. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they brought in a Jewish rabbi and a couple of um, a born-again Christian, right. and, uh, and and so I went to that conference, and and quite honestly, the, the Amidala Muslim, he had very similar views to what everyone else does, and he even says, well, I believe in uh, Jesus, I just don't believe he's the son of God, That's right. and um, you know, honestly, out of the whole group of them, um, him and the 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 um, pastors um, were very much on the same page. Um, it, they're, they're, they were very similar in their description of community and love and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So it's just funny that you guys were told that the the Bible was destroyed, that they're, they're, that word's... Oh, not. yeah. And, and we were told it was corrupted. And uh, so people like had corrupted the Bible. And, and I remember like uh, I was thinking, okay, if that was... Because even as a Muslim, Quran even says that Torah and, and Injil, which is the New Testament, uh, and the Old Testament, they are the words of God. And it says that even in Quran. And, and I remember I was thinking, okay, if it was the word of God in some point of time, then uh, why is it that God was not able to keep his own word? Mm-hmm. If he's not able to keep his own word from being corrupted by the hand of people, so then he doesn't have, where's the power then? Where is his ability? And I remember I was thinking growing up all this with these thoughts when Christian friend gave us this book. It's funny because even though I had that thought, the, the moment he gave me the Bible, I said, well, this word, this book is corrupted. And then he told me, okay, why don't you go read it and tell me which part got corrupted? And, and I oh, remember... that's sneaky. <laughs> and, and I was like, I don't want to even read a board that is corrupted. And, but it's funny because when we start reading the Bible, um, something started happening in our heart because we all of a sudden encountered uh, this person. So as I said, uh, you and I can debate and say, well, we say the same thing, but let's go and see what... Jesus said, or what is the original book, original book says. And when I started reading the Bible, I just encountered this person, Jesus, that had really come to this world and, and, and all he did, he went around doing good and healing all people that were oppressed by the devil. And, and he preached the good news. And that was his good news that I came that you can have life. And so he came to destroy death and he brought life and immortality into the gospel. And, and, and I was thinking, where can you find this? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, he's the answer to what humanity is looking for. But when it comes to religion, people are debating about what I say, what I think is truth, and what you think is truth, and no one will know until you die, and then you'll know. But when you come to Jesus, that's the reality of your everyday life. And for me, when we started reading the Bible, I had this, my heart started getting touched with who this person is. And of course, at the same time, I had dreams of Jesus. And I remember, I remember one day I said, God, why, 
why Jesus is coming to my dream? I told you, show me the right way. And why is it not Muhammad is coming, the prophet of Islam? And I remember, uh, and I remember Masood told me, well, didn't you just ask God to show you which one? So maybe, <laughs> and I think it was a journey. It was an amazing journey that Masood, I think, shared his part. But for me, it was um, coming to the book of, the first letter of John, the apostle, that he writes and he says, God is love. Mm-hmm. And I looked back in my life. And I realized that since that day that I had that encounter with God and I called his name love, I went around and I told everyone I knew that God is love. And almost all of them told me, you're crazy. God cannot be love. Because like love doesn't, like what do you mean love? Love doesn't have any like value or meaning. And I remember people would tell me like, can you not, please stop sharing about that experience. And the last person told me was Masood. Masood also told me, I don't want to hear about what just happened to you, what happened to you, but please stop sharing it. But when I came to that book, I realized that I was just so excited because I found another person who says the same thing that I had experienced. Right. And I think... It's almost defined what you felt when you were 19. Exactly. Because, because I could not find that... God that I had experienced personally, I couldn't find it in any other book. Yeah. And I found it in the Bible. And, um, and, and, and I think my heart was so much touched with who he really is and this love that, that I, and, and through, of course, the dreams that I had and confirmation of the heart, then I realized, okay, so this is, this must be the one who came to my room and this must be the one that that the world is looking for a savior that can give them life and immortality. Wow. Yeah. So from there, that's a lot to swallow. Yeah. <laughs> from there, did you guys find a church or a teacher or somebody that you followed to, you know, so you guys both have a general understanding of Christianity and of Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, what what was after that for you guys? Uh, we we still were in the church, but um, because we had, sorry, which which church were you in? Uh, it was a church in um, Ontario, in Ajax, Ontario. Okay, and um, a Christian church. Yeah, yeah. And then we changed a couple of churches after that uh, within few months. Uh, but then the thing is, uh, very soon we realized that there is an opportunity for me to actually get to know this God uh, on my own. Uh, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that he's so personal and he has sent his spirit to teach me. And even like John says that uh, if I go, I will send the spirit of truth and he will teach you all things. Or uh, there is also First John that says um, you have an anointing that teaches you all things. That means if I become obedient to the voice that I hear, he can actually direct me uh, through the Bible and show me the truth and give me interpretation and understanding. And at the same time, he can directly talk to me, just like, let's say, when I didn't know him, he talked to me. How much more now that I, I know him and I have come to uh, recognize his voice, he can also teach me. So because of that, we became so... Uh, we actually found the thing that was able to satisfy us, and it was the Word, the Word of God. <laughs> and it was like, because in that was the peace that we wanted, in that was that joy that we were looking for. And uh, we began reading the Bible uh, in a way that after a few months, it was uh, a 
a question to people that why would you spend so much time on reading the Bible? Because they couldn't see that we are being nourished uh, by what we hear. It's more than now Now I have found God and it's over. You know, you go to church once a week, you hear something and you do some good deeds. And it's more than that. Because we, we realize that, you know, actually for me, the verse that I came to know the Lord was, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse uh, 28, 29, 30, 31. It speaks of God uh, basically predestining us before we were even uh, born into something that calls its, its, its his own image. And he calls that the image of the son. That means a son that can bear the image of his father. Mm-hmm. Now, he says... This is his idea. This is his opinion. And what do we mean by an image? An exact representation. Which means when you see that image, you know whose image he is. Now, that's what Jesus said. He Mm. said, if you look at me, you've seen the Father. Because he was the exact representation of the Father. And we became so hungry for this. Because that was like, uh, remember my the question that was I was asked was, "Do do you know who you are? And I never knew I was... Uh, actually, um, I was made to be the image of God. And now we were hungry to know what, if I'm supposed to be the image of God, what does an image of God look like? Looks like? What does it mean to be image of God? Let's, let's search out, let's find out. And we began reading the New Testament over and over and over. And at the, um, in the beginning, uh, because we were reading in English also, and our English was not as good, uh, it was hard, but very soon, actually, we came to understand what it's talking about. And uh, then we began studying the Bible, more than reading the Bible. Um, let's say, uh, here in Canada, in North America, we have, for somebody that goes to school um, as elementary or high school or university, that person always is called a student and there is no difference. But back home is not like that. Somebody who goes to um, school, uh, elementary, high school, uh, is called um, knowledge learner. Hmm. But somebody who goes to university is called, is called knowledge researcher. Okay. It's a different be- there's a difference between being a learner and a researcher. Mm-hmm. Learner is somebody that is passive. You, you just sit somewhere and somebody teaches you and you say, oh, okay. And then you don't do much about that. But when you go to university, you become researcher because the, you know the opportunity, you know the, the edge of science and you know that this science, maybe the edge, uh, two years ago was not here. It was two meters back, but somebody pushed the edge. Right. And that's, that's what we call the cutting edge. You're always pushing forward and forward and forward. So when you come to university, uh, yeah, of course somebody teaches you, but he doesn't teach you all things because there's, he himself doesn't know all things. So you become a researcher and you start researching and you're actively t- studying. So uh, for us, immediately we came to that state of uh, desire for researching the Bible. Uh, to, to see what it's talking about. Because if this is like, let's say there are lots of things being written and they're all saying the same thing and there is nothing more, it's strange because why would God waste uh, the pages of the Bible to say something that is similar, that he has already said? Maybe there is a development of knowledge. Maybe there is an 
a more understanding of who he is and who we are and how this spiritual relationship works. So uh, uh, that's why we started uh, studying the Bible and we uh, we immediately began like spending uh, 12 hours or 13 hours a day. Wow. Just researching. What uh, what kind of resources were you guys using at the time? Bible. Just the Bible. Just the Bible. And so when you say research, you were digging into the words, the phrases, the history, why they would think that, why they would see that, why they would... Yeah, in the beginning, it was just reading because I didn't know, let's say, what Second Peter is talking about. I didn't know what, let's say, Matthew is talking about. Yeah, of course, I read it once, but I don't remember that anymore. So we made ourselves familiar with the scripture just to know what is being written. And after that, we realized there are some words that are being repeated. And when I talk to people, they, they give me an understanding that I say, no, that's not what it's talking about. There is more than that. And then you see there are certain books that actually are emphasizing on, on that specific word. Let's say there is something about, about grace. Okay, what is grace? What is the purpose of grace? How can you receive grace? Or there is something about righteousness, something called salvation. Something called, let's say there are different words used for thoughts and mind and thinking and perception and all. The, what is the difference between these things? And why would God use so many different words uh, to actually communicate to us? So um, eventually we came to a point that we realized, you know, if I, if I even look at different translations, I can't still get enough because... Um, these are all being translated by human beings that uh, even though they are being inspired by God, but not in every sense. At some point, you can see that actually later we realize the same word is being, the same Greek word is being translated different uh, English uh, words. And that actually distracts you and you don't come to understand what those phrases are talking about. So we came to concordance mm -hmm. and looked at uh, Greek words and Hebrew words and we began seeing a map in the Bible that it's like a, really a treasure map. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, or we can call it a puzzle that has many pieces, maybe uh, 30,000 pieces. Um, and all of that, when you put them together, it shows you the image of God. Okay. And as the Bible says, when you look at that, you begin to be transformed into the same thing effortlessly. And that's what the Bible calls rest. You come to a place because that you are in this relationship and fellowship. You're spending that time and you're talking. You have a conversation with him. You pick up the things that are in him. Let's say there, even if I spend uh, maybe a few months with you, uh, some of your sayings, I would start using it. Mm -hmm. It's just because I've spent time with you. Now, it's the same thing, that consciousness begins to be changed and if god can change our conscience he can change everything yeah so is this the what you guys or the way you guys are studying very similar to how you described university that you know every so often it's you know five meters more and ten meters more you just are gaining new definitions new knowledge new understanding of of what the the words in the bible mean yeah, exactly. Let's say, for example, last night we were looking at some of the things about uh, a refining pot and furnace and refining and all of that. And the Bible speaks of uh, us being refined. And that's very easy to immediately, with uh, a natural mind, uh, when God speaks of fire, we would take that and say, okay, that means hell. 
Yet the Bible clearly, if you if you start looking at the words, uh, especially in the Old Testament, he says the word of God is a fire, and it comes to our heart and brings a fire, and that fire begins to actually um, in our heart like a crucible, like a refining pot, begins to take all the impurities out. Mm-hmm. So what is the word of God? Jesus said it's called the truth. So when the truth comes in and the Spirit of God is able to speak into my heart, that's like uh, a um, heart that was um, basically a pile of silver with lots of impurities. He begins to take out all that dross, all that impurities. And what happens next? When you have a pure silver, uh, you're going to actually have the image of the one that is refining that and it's standing right in front of that. I heard it described like a forest fire, that the, the, that fire within burns off all the underbrush, all the stuff that's not good so that the new life can arise. Uh, psychologists uh, describe it as the death of a, an action or a thought or a habit that that has to be renewed with something else. You can't just quit smoking. You have to, you know, when you quit, your body's going to get healthier and then that's a rebirth of of something else and that's what your that internal fire you're talking about is like exactly and that comes when the bible says actually that um whether we know it consciously or we don't it says that uh the cross of jesus was the place that it was not him that was crucified it was at the place that we were crucified with him now, is it Galatians 2.20, I am crucified? Exactly. I don't remember the proper scripture, but it, yeah. Yeah, I, I, was, um, crucified. I was crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but that Christ sense. lives inside of me. Yeah. And that is an effortless life, because it speaks of an old life, that how can you overcome lots of issues that you had in your past, lots of memories, lots of relation, broken relationships, even maybe the things... Some of us were um, have done really bad stuff in the even in the in in worldly term a thief or somebody who uh, actually murder, killed somebody yeah. or all of that. How can you fix those things? You always live with that. But he says, uh, of course, if you want to live in people's opinion, that's your consciousness always because they're going to keep reminding you of all of that. But what if you come to God? What is He going to say? He's going to say, you are being crucified with me mm-hmm. on the cross. So now that's the point that Jesus said, if you look at this, you're going to live. Mm-hmm. If you see yourself being crucified with me, your true life begins to flow. That's what Paul says, that I'm crucified, but actually I live. How can you live when you're crucified? That's the mystery of it. That's when you come to uh, basically realize that, Truly, I was actually, the death of Jesus was not a uh, payment of a penalty, even though we had sinned, even though we ha- all of that is true. But there is more than that. And that's when I come to identify my old man with the one that actually was on the cross. And the one that I am right now, this one is being identified with the living Christ that is inside of me. What does that do? to me or to any of us, it makes life effortless. It brings me to a place that actually, the the first thing that changed my heart when I was reading the Bible, Matthew chapter 5 and 6, the Beatitudes we know at the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus said, uh, when he says, look at the birds of the air and look at the lilies in the field, 
do they spin? Do they try to uh, sow and reap and store? No, they don't. And he said, if uh, your father is helping them and is basically providing for them, how much more he would do the same or even more than that for you? So therefore, do not worry. Yeah. Do not worry. The whole point was do not worry. It doesn't mean don't be lazy. It means don't worry. Yeah. Even let's say right, right now, um, if you listen to any of the motivational speakers, they wouldn't tell you, hey, don't do anything. They try to bring you to a place of uh, rest in your soul that you realize, you know, first I have to make a decision that I can. If you don't make that decision, you're going to do all things but with stress. So what if I can actually start my day without stress? If I wake up and I'm in, in the middle of all that stress, I make all of those uh, storms in me calm down and then start my day. But now with God, is more than that. Yeah. It's, be it's because there is something beyond. It's more than just solely called life. It's now spiritual life. The, we talked about this a little bit yesterday about motivational speakers and how you know the the the, the book called The Secret um, basically took all the principles of the Bible and just rewrote, rewrote it as the universe as opposed to God and you know Tony Robbins talks a lot mm -hmm. about uh, or he's a motivational speaker and a lot of the um, the stuff that he talks about are just principles taken from the Bible mm -hmm. I don't want to say stolen because they're yeah. They're for everybody. Um, so whether you use that as, yeah, it's not stolen. <laughs> Just to, to, to correct myself. Um, so how do you guys see that in the natural world? Like you guys come from one completely different culture. You've now changed to a, a completely new culture that, that that's difficult to do. And now you guys aren't part of a, a major church organization at all. And you're sort of doing this on your own and trying to get the word out to everybody. Um, so you were doing that a couple ways. One, you wrote a book and we'll, right. we'll get you to describe that to us. Yep. And then you guys also have your YouTube channel. So maybe Rose, why don't you tell us about your, your book and, and why you wrote it and what's okay yeah so one of the you know um my book is called like the flood of mercy and so the reason um i call that like the flood of mercy because i realized that the, the mercy of god has to come like a like a flood into our day-to-day -day life and the reason is like we grew up in a world and we were told that um you know you make a mistake this is uh, what you did you need to put up with it, live with it, and live in the consequences of it. Mm -hmm. And learn from this mistake and don't repeat it again. And if you do another mistake, then you live up with your consequences. But this is not, not how God operates that. Because we all have missed, you know, like let's say we have sinned. But the word sin means missing the mark. That means like we were hitting something. We were hitting a perfection. And because I missed it, then I have sinned. So, and it's just falling short of something. Like, for example, if you say, I'm going to wake up at five o'clock and you miss it, you have sinned. Okay. So it's just missing a mark or a perfection that is an, a standard of uh, someone has chosen as a standard and you don't, you don't hit that. So sin basically is missing a perfection yeah. and what happened or making a mistake <clears throat> you know like if, one of, if I want to put it in a day-to-day -day life and what happened is we have learned to live off of the consequences of our mistakes and but when we come to Jesus Jesus says okay I have done something and my blood washes that the whole thing away so that you don't have to live up with the consequences of your sins 
So sin had a consequence. The wages of sin is death. But when we come to Jesus, then we not only our sin are taken away, but the nature of who we were is on the cross and they die and and now you're a new creation and you don't need to live up with what you used to do. Mm-hmm. And so, but uh, in Christianity, we have learned that part that, okay, you come to Jesus and this is your sin and your sin are forgiven. But, but we haven't really, we haven't brought that to our day to day life and realized that okay if God if we did not pay the consequences of our sin because of the blood of Jesus so I shouldn't pay the consequences of my mistakes because of the blood of Jesus and this is what the mercy of God does so uh, the mercy of God bring us to a position of understanding, okay, even though I am not perfect and I might miss it because of the weakness of humanity that I still have, but the purpose of God for me is to be a perfect man with no mistakes. But until then, as I'm growing, his mercy come and every time I'm falling, he will help me and grab my hand and raise me up. And then the grace of God empowers me so that I can continue and never miss it again. So basically what the difference between mercy and grace is once you miss it, his mercy comes and grab your hand and say, okay, get up. And his grace will help you that you don't miss it again. Because eventually the purpose is that we come into the perfect man. The purpose of our creation is to um, be a perfect image of God that we can, we are reflecting that uh, who he is because God is invisible and he has made a Uh, he has made someone that he can live in and he can make himself visible visible to others. Mm -hmm. And as we see that in the life of Jesus, because God does not live in places that is made with human hands. He lives in a place that he has made with his own hands. Mm -hmm. And that's the heart of people. So, and I think that I was, um, uh, you know, about uh, more than a year ago, I felt like I have to start writing about the mercy of God because we are so, um, uh, you know, we, most of us have forgot that okay you know I don't have to live with the consequences of my mistakes if I have if I made the mistake that it was not it was not something that I really wanted to do it but I did it Uh, so I don't have to live with the consequences and the mercy of God comes and he will not only remove that uh, mistake but also removes remove the consequences of what I just did. And that will bring us into an identity of who we are in Christ and realizing that, okay, I can rise up into who I am because his mercy endures into everlasting life. And I think that was the reason. And I felt like the Lord told me that I need to start writing about the mercy of God because it is um, uh, it is like we all of us hopefully are moving toward the fullness of who Christ is and to that perfect man. But until then, we will miss it. Mm-hmm. It's not that I will, I like to miss it. No, I don't. But I might miss it. And it can happen in everything. It can happen at work. You know, I can, like I share a story in my book that I was at work and I entered an order by mistake. And that order was like a lot of money. And uh, that was, the, I entered an obsolete product we made an obsolete product, full truck load, and it was one of the biggest sales of the month. And I sent it to a customer, and I came, and I re- and I one day I got up in the morning, and I 
saw this email and the customer was very angry with me and they wanted to return. So now not only I lost the biggest sales in the, in the company, I also lost the, the, the company had to pay for their production shut down time mm-hmm. and had to pay for additional overtime to make the right product. And they had to make, um, you know, pay for the, another p- penalties and freight costs and everything. And I remember I ran to the, I ran to my, uh, my car and I said, okay, Jesus this is where I need your mercy because mercy triumphs over every judgment. Mm-hmm. And this, I had a mistake and this is the judgment. You got to live with the consequences of it. And, and I started praying and I said, God, you know, your mercy is what I need right now. So I got back to my desk and I was like, I looked, calm down a little and my manager called me and he got to the big boss there and you know like I entered like one of the biggest sales of the month there it was wrong and not only wrong it's obsolete product they don't need it they obsolete that two years ago mm-hmm. and um, so anyways I wrote that with details in my book but what happened was toward the end of the day the customer sent an email and said, you know what? We were just looking at our inventory and uh, we had uh, some, we, we are short in our, uh, some of our products. And since you made this, then we just, we had a meeting and we are like, you know what? We're just going to use the product you just sent us. And why don't you charge us and make another order and send the, <laughs> send the right product to us. And what happened was, and the company made double instead of losing twice money, yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the company and it was the beginning of understanding the mercy of god in yeah. our day-to-day life and and my heart for that book was so every one of us can really understand that there is a help in every situation that can help us because we are not perfect we are moving toward perfection and that help is the mercy of god beautiful yeah. beautiful and so <clears throat> I guess I'm not struggling with this, but it's abnormal for people not to be part of a, a church system. Um, to do this on their own is not the, the normal way of doing this. So are you guys using any other resources? Um, obviously, you're using some people because you guys have a group that meets on uh, Saturday nights where you guys obviously discuss scripture and stuff like that. Are there any outside resources that you're using right now? We definitely look into basically what's going on because we're, we're not... Um, uh, creating a sect. We are not creating our own movement or denomination. We still believe that we are part of the same body. We are part of the church. There is one church. But at the same time, because there was a time that uh, we needed to actually be focused in what we want to learn from the Lord, we spent and we wanted to be um, in a place that we we can use every minute of our day toward this. We made that decision. At the time, we were working full-time. I was actually in a place that I had to, because of the responsibilities that I had at work, I had to spend like almost 12 hours a day at work. And uh, it was hard. Uh, but um, we, we managed to actually wake up earlier, earlier uh, in the morning, like 4 o'clock, just wow. before go to go to work to spend that time because we didn't want to lose that consistency of being uh, what people say brainwashed. I really want <laughs> myself brainwashed because I don't want the lies that I had believed in my life. I want truth to uh, tell me who I really am. And uh, because of that, we came out of basically an attendance to a local church uh, to be able to actually, even the Bible, like the story of Abraham, if you look at that, um, uh, which all our story starts with him. It was the yeah. promise given to Abraham and uh, Jesus that would come 
naturally from him that he would bring all the blessing. How did God start with Abraham? He said, come out of your country, come out of your family, and I will uh, send you to a land, and there I will bless you. Then you will be a blessing to all nations. Right. So now that means there is a separation uh, from my uh, upbringing, from my everything that I knew, to a place that God can teach me so I can become uh, a person that I'm not actually a burden to other people but become a blessing i'm not in anticipation of their love but i become love and i help them i'm not doing anything to them because i'm waiting for them to do something to me i just do it because that's who i am i have become generous i have become loving in my heart so that's what uh, the lord has been doing with us and now we are actually sharing that with others we have created a youtube channel and we're putting out uh, one or putting up one or two videos a week and uh, through that we are actually breaking down uh, the word of God in a simple language so people can actually look at the verses and understand it because I can come up use one verse and just talk about that for two hours with my experiences and uh, anything that I think or I can actually come to the Bible and let the Bible Inter interpret itself. Yeah. Uh, what the Bible says, um, for any matter to be established, you need two or three witnesses. That means for me to know something, a concept, a verse in the Bible, at least I need two or three other verses or uh, part of the Bible to back that up. I can't come up with a theology based on what uh, sentence. sentence exactly. Yeah. So uh, because of that now, we have seen people come and listen and watch our videos and uh, they're like, the same exact thing that would bring fear to me now is releasing in me the love of God. Hmm. Because they were seeing that part of the scripture with a veiled um, eye, and they would see it and they would be afraid. And they think like God is a condemning God, and yet clearly the Bible says that, hey, that was the ministry. That, that's not the serving of God. That's called a, um, a serving that was written on stone. God right now is writing in your heart and he's revealing himself in your heart. That is when basically you, you come to actually have that image in your own heart. So that's why we are actually doing this in YouTube also. We we talked about this a little bit yesterday about some churches missing the mark. And, and I think um, you sort of said it there where they'll stand on a sentence from a scripture and like this is what we stand on. The the one that comes to mind is the, the Westboro Baptist Church um, and they're very controversial um, in the Christian world and, and the, the secular world as well that they're they're doing things that are a little bit absurd to the, the normal people. Is this your guys' goal is try to get churches to understand? Is it for individuals? Are you guys going, um, you know, trying to communicate uh, more with Muslims? Like what, what what's your goal? What's what? Uh, what are you? What are, where are you aiming? Uh, if it's uh, basically based on the desire that right now we have, it's toward the church. Yeah. It's toward the believers. It's toward uh, those who actually know the Lord, but know Him with a. Not that obviously I should say we we don't know Him the way that we should, but up to the level that we have come to know Him, uh, we really want to send this out and help people to see now. Uh, when it comes to uh, understanding, because we all, as yesterday we were talking about this, we said, uh, we all say Jesus, right? But my Jesus is a bit different than yours. And when we start talking about that, we realize that it's different. It's not actually our opinion. It's what has been happening is you have an image of Jesus. 
I have an image, uh, the other person has an image, and then we we see that image and we say this is who Jesus is. Now, what needs to happen? As I said, we all have these images in our heart of him, and they are being called idols. And it's not like something that... Um, let's say, something external anymore that we make with our own hands. It's something that is being formed inside of us. What, why would that happen? It's a collection of thoughts and imaginations and reasonings that is the result of human uh, consciousness. Rather than a place that I'm quiet, I let him teach me and form that image in me, and I say, oh, I didn't know you that way. Even like people, let's say, Jesus... Um, Later on, he said, um, in, in the Gospel of John, he said that I am, uh, they said, show us the Father. And he said, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen God. If, because God is not visible, God is a spirit. But if you really want to know how he looks like, how he thinks, how he deals with people, look at my life. And when you look at my life, see if I ever condemned anybody. Then you can say God is condemning. Mm -hmm. See if I ever, somebody came to me to be healed <clears throat> and I rejected him. And then you can say, that's God. Uh, and, and now when you see uh, me that way, then, okay, you have something to look at and you say, this is God. So what needs to happen is the truth of God needs to come to us and kind of, all those images, molded images that we had made in our own hearts to cause them to be liquidified again so we can build or form who he is inside of us according to that. And can I add something here? Yeah, of course. Um, because, you know, like uh, back to your question, is it for Christians and Muslims? You know, we uh, somehow, somewhere down the road, somehow we uh, we ended up uh, categorizing people. Uh, and, and I think Jesus did not come to gather Christians <coughs> together and separate them from the world. He instead he says, yep. you know, you gotta go to the world and and actually uh, the the purpose is okay. You need to uh, the word um, um, means like Jesus said, okay, you need to go to the world and and I think um, when we start when for example if we, when we read the book of Romans chapter eight, it it gives us the purpose of creation and it says how what is the purpose of creation from the eyes of God. Mm -hmm. not from our own perspective. And when God sees us, he sees our um, our fullness of purpose or creation. He sees us as those he has created so we can have his glory and we can be sons of God. So when God made us, he didn't make us Muslim or he didn't make us Hindus or he didn't make us, he didn't give any religion a name that he didn't categorize us. He put us and he said, you know what, you are destined to be my the son of God, the inheritance of what I have, like uh, inheriting what I have, and uh, and I I am your father. And I think um, and I think when we uh, when we come like to like as you, the question that you ask is. Jesus Christ is not only for Christians. Mm -hmm. Knowing who Jesus Christ is, is for everyone. And if I start looking at people, not through the lens of religion that they call themselves, but if I look at them from what Jesus is seeing them, then I don't see any difference between knowing Jesus Christ. Knowing Jesus Christ, uh, it's not only for Christians, for everyone. We all have to come to that purpose of creation that God has made for us and and I think um, and I think um, you know uh, one of the reasons that maybe we are not part of any church because we are part of the 
the church. The, we are part of the body of Christ. And there are many that yet to come to the body and understand who he is. And, 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 and I think he has sent us to, to everyone. And I think this is our ministry too, because we believe knowing Jesus Christ is not only for Christians. And even though if Masood said our focus is Christian, the reason is the Christians know the Bible and it's easier to communicate with them. But that doesn't mean that Jesus is not, not going to be. just for them. That's right. And I just want to, for example, one thing I want to say, say that uh, I had a coworker that he was uh, from, who was a Muslim. And I had, I ended up talking to him and sharing my story of how I became Christian. And of course, he wasn't happy about it. And one day he told me, you know what, why don't you come and share your story? And I just want to know, why did you become Christian? And why did you go one step backward uh, to Christianity? And, and, and so we ended up having a very nice conversation after work in the lunchroom. And, um, and after I finished, and he asked all the questions, actually, he's from Ahmadiyya. Uh, that you just shared okay. uh, from the same uh, uh, denomination, basically. Yeah. And um, so he kept telling me, we're doing, we're believing the same thing and all this stuff. And we're like, I'm okay. You know, let me just share my story of who Jesus is. After, f- after I finished that, I, uh, I felt the Lord is telling me that his mother is sick. And why don't you just pray for his mother? So I asked him, I said, hey, is your mother sick? And he said, yeah, how did you know that? And I said, well, you know, like... Um, this Christianity is not just a religion. It's just walking with Jesus. And Jesus talks to us all the time. So I ended up praying for his mother. And as I I was going to say goodbye, and I felt Jesus tells me that, okay, uh, why don't you just pray for him? So I started, or he, he told me, like, why don't you prophesy over him? So um, the word prophecy means, like, why God shows me something that he's doing in the life of this person. Why don't you tell him what I'm doing, right? And, and the moment I wanted to pray for him, I saw this picture of him. And I saw he is, um, he is in Pakistan because he was from Pakistan. And, um, and I saw his picture. I saw him standing. He's in Pakistan. And there are millions of people are coming to his gatherings. And he's preaching about Jesus Christ. And, and many people are being saved, delivered, healed, radical change. And I saw God is changing. You saw this about your co-worker. That's right. Okay. I saw that in my spirit that God showed that to me. And, and I saw that he's, sh- he's sharing Jesus Christ and people are ch- saved, getting saved, delivered, healed. And, and I saw God is using him as a, uh, one of the tools of changing the nation of Pakistan. What I just told you, I told him. And, uh, and after I finished a lot of it's just a little more stuff, I talked to him and he said, he told me, how did you know this thing? And I said, what do you mean? Like he acted like he knew this before if like he said he said like I knew it I I knew that how did you know and and I said what do you mean and he said you have no idea what you're saying and I'm like apparently not (laughs) because I just told you what God showed me about you and I feel like this is what he's going to do in your life and he said no 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 I you have no idea what you're saying from the first day that I was born my mom she's she keeps having a dream about me and in the dream she sees that I am in Pakistan and in front of millions of people and I am preaching and I'm talking about God and and God is doing something through me for the um, nation of Pakistan and and he told me you just told me my mom's dream Hmm. 
And so he's like close to 40 years old, right? So I was shocked. I was like, really? <laughs> like, and he's like, yeah, you just told me more. How, how did you see that? And I told him that, you know, we can say about what we believe, but but Jesus is more than just what we believe. Jesus is the reality of in our day-to-day life. And isn't that amazing that from the time you are born, he has planned a destiny for your life. Mm-hmm. He showed you that dream. And now I'm here. I've got no idea. He showed me that. And he replaced the word God with Jesus Christ in my vision. And, and now he's directing your path toward this. And he was so shy. He's like, why would God use me? And all this stuff. He had a little chat but I remember I came back to to car and my religious mindset started rising up and questioning God Mm -hmm. and I said God you know I sounded like I know more than God and I said God why did you show this Muslim guy that he is preaching God in the dream um, in Pakistan and he's a Muslim so he's going to get up and he thinks he's going to go talk about Islam. And, you know, we know all this stuff is happening in Pakistan, you know. So why did you do that? Why did you, like, why are you showing these dreams? And, and I felt like all of a sudden as I was driving home and I felt like a loud voice inside of me. And I felt God is telling me that I don't see him Muslim. Mm-hmm. I see him my son. I didn't make him to be a Muslim. I didn't make him. I made him to be my son. And this is how I see it. And, and I keep seeing him, my son, until the, the day that he will start seeing himself, my son. And I think you better stop seeing people as what they call themselves and start seeing them what I call them. Mm. And um, and that was a lesson for me that day. And I think uh, I think this is what needs to come back to our mindset and our seeing that they are not separated from us. We love them because Jesus Christ loves them. And the only thing is their understanding of who He is is only different. And if I can bring that knowledge, and if I can bring that um, understanding of Jesus the, the way that I know, then they will see Him more clear mm-hmm. than they see right now. That is uh, a beautiful spot for us to end this. I yeah. uh, thank you guys so much for coming on. You're you. you're a beautiful couple with a beautiful story. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed uh, every minute of it. You have me quite speechless throughout uh, through this. So um, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. I wish more people around the world had that basic view that you guys did about understanding and that we are all one and that um, there's not a lot difference between... Um, uh, between the cultures around the world. That's right. So that's uh, that's very, very beautiful. Uh, did you guys want to uh, share anything before we go? Uh, no, first of all, thank you for having us in this uh, program. Uh, we really appreciate that. And if in case anybody wants to um, contact with us, uh, they can go to www.perfectedbyblood.com. That's our website. And then if anybody wants to know about our teaching, we have a YouTube channel under the same name, Perfected by Blood. Uh, and they can just search for the name. It will come up with all the videos and uh, that would be a blessing to everyone. We would post the, the link when we uh, upload this uh, audio to our podcast again, guys. Thank you so much. You so much. Uh, it was a joy meeting you guys. Uh, this is Chad and I want to know and we'll see you guys all next week.